Good evening. I'm the Tech Night Out Live. This week we'll hear from Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com to talk about Apple's enlarged or gorged patent portfolio and the problems at Research in Motion and the BlackBerry. We'll hear a security update from Rich Mogul and then we'll hear from Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine. Again, about all things Apple, this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. And there was an interesting story that came out this week indicating that Apple has been granted further patents on the touchscreen interface from the U.S. Patent Office. Now, what makes this interesting is the fact that right now Apple is embroiled in several lawsuits over the look and feel of the iPhone and the iPad, etc., etc. They've already received some patents for their touch interface. This next set of patents Is it even possible anymore for any other company to build a device with a touchscreen that doesn't infringe on Apple somehow? (laughs) You know, it's going to be interesting to see. And there's there's no doubt that people are, you know, HTC and and RAM and everybody else are going to challenge these patents. I mean, they almost have to just to stay in business. Because, well, basically, I mean, Apple got a patent for the multi-touch interface. That's every phone that you swipe or touch or, you know, some way interact with uh, with your finger. And, you know, it's it's more than just pointing. You know, Apple wasn't didn't invent that. I mean, that type of, of tablet interface has been around. But it's the multi-touch, you know, where you use two fingers to do a gesture or you use your finger to swipe one way up and down and, and across. And Apple has really perfected the way that you can do things, not only on the iPhone and, and the iPad with those interfaces, but they've also done it on the new MacBooks with the, the trackpad. I mean, you can flip images around and you can swipe to move your web browser pages and all kinds of different things. So they've taken it uh, quite a bit further than what anybody else has, but they've been awarded the, the patent for that interface, which... You know, if it is as wide sweeping as what it seems, you know, they could theoretically now go and and basically sue every manufacturer in the world that makes those types of things. Now, I am not a patent lawyer. So whether Apple will actually do that or not. Well, you can bet they will if they can. Well, you know, it's going to be interesting Uh, since Apple has the patent. Would they license that technology to all of these people? And would all of those companies have to then pay Apple, you know, licensing fees from the time that they release their products. I mean, that's that's what Apple basically had to do with the last Nokia lawsuit. Uh, You know, the two of them went back and forth with their lawsuits and counter lawsuits. Finally, Apple settled, which says to me that Apple was infringing on one of their patents. Uh, Apple settled and had to pay a one-time lump sum payment of about $500 million. That's what it's estimated at. Yeah, but there's one issue here, Jim, and that is it's not so much, I think, at least in part of the actions that Apple denied the existence of the patents. It was they were claiming that the licensing fees 
were prohibitive compared to other companies. Yeah, well, you know, there, there's still, you know, with the, the lump sum payment that Apple has and the, um, uh, the ongoing fees, uh, you know, that was a pretty big payout for, for Nokia, and Apple could be looking, you know, at the same type of thing if they go after these companies. Well, you kind of think that Apple would if they could. And at the same time, they could also say, well, we're not going to license these patents to you, so... You either pay us money and shut down the production lines or invent something different. Yeah, they could. I suppose they could do that, too. I don't know if that would stand up in court or not. I mean, maybe a court would would invalidate the patent and say that it was too wide sweeping or that there's, there's really no way to tell with patents because it's just kind of so out there that nobody really knows what will happen. Well, yeah, I guess we can't tell till Apple's lawyers have a time to pour over everything here. I guess, though, that Motorola, Research in Motion, HTC, even Nokia, they're kind of shaking in their boots right now. Even Microsoft, because Microsoft is trying to expand touch interfaces. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Apple is really... I think in the past five years has really outdone itself uh, with some of this stuff. I mean, you have not only that, but you also have things like the App Store that Microsoft is fighting and Amazon is fighting uh, because the App Store is so synonymous now with buying a mobile app that and Apple coined that phrase and has the trademark for it. Everybody else is trying to hone in on it. Naturally, Apple is trying to stop them from doing that. But, uh, you know, I think the best argument in that whole lawsuit is Microsoft saying App Store is a generic term and you can't trademark it that. Yet Microsoft trademarked Windows. (laughs) Yes, which is as generic as you can get. I mean, App is far less generic than Windows. And Microsoft was able to get a trademark for a graphical operating system called Windows. Yeah. At the same time, everybody uses the word window for one reason or another, but only in very limited categories can they say window with reference to an operating system. Yep, it, it's, it's uh, amazing, but lawyers can twist themselves up, I think. Yeah, like pretzels, if they can. Of course, <laughs> they get all those heavy fees. Then we have this other situation here where Samsung and Apple are involved over the look and feel type of lawsuits. And it's interesting here because Samsung sells billions of dollars worth of spare parts to Apple. <laughs> Apple sources liquid crystal displays from Samsung, all sorts of chips. So at one point, Apple is one of Samsung's best customers, <laughs> and they're embroiled in legal action. The judge, the federal judge overseeing this is saying, maybe I can give you some cookies or something. I mean, really, he's trying to say, this is stupid. You people are trading to the tune of billions of dollars Settle this thing already. I think at one point the judge even said, um, can we all get along? And uh, Apple's lawyers at that point said, yes, the executives from both companies are in talks. Samsung has come out and denied that. So now it's, it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. <laughs> Maybe they're afraid to admit it. But I think in the end, Samsung has to look at their bottom line. But you see, part of the problem is here with big multinational companies like that. We know Apple is a very sharply focused company. But you look at Samsung with all the wide-ranging products they sell. They sell refrigerators. They sell TV sets. They sell parts. They sell music players, whatever. They're so sprawling that it's almost like a bunch of separate companies under the same umbrella. Well, it really is. I mean, Samsung is huge. They're they're certainly um, put out a, a lot of products, and that's 
that's a great thing for them. You know, they're able to to make a business if one doesn't doesn't do so well selling phones. Uh, you know, they can back it up with another one that's uh, that's selling parts for phones. You know, they're they have a pretty wide reach, which is a good thing. Good thing for them. And one hopes they will settle this because it's all about money. You know, if they have to, you know, okay, we'll give Apple a few bucks per phone. We'll give them a discount on components. They'll do something. Again, it's all about money. That's the big thing here. But, of course, Apple doesn't want other companies to build this. But, you know, if they tried to enforce that patent on touchscreens to stop other companies from building that, I think you're going to see some kind of antitrust regulation impact there. Yeah, see, that's why I'm not sure if it'll stand up or not. I mean, you've got so many variables uh, happening here that it's it is really hard to tell what will happen. As I said, and, what might happen here is that Apple will be advised to license certain parts of their technology to others and collect a paycheck. They can't license everything. They won't license anything, but maybe some of the broader patents. They'd be forced, just like Nokia has patents regarding mobile phone technology. They can't just say nobody could build a mobile phone. They can right. say, if you build a mobile phone, you come to us and send us a check. But that's the best they can do. Yeah, and there's no telling, you know, if if the, uh, the courts will come down to Apple and say, no, we're invalidating the patent. And then, then there'll be some scrambling, I bet. I bet there will. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Okay, so who is watching your home when you're not there? Help protect your home with a security system monitored by ADT. It's the leader in home security. Remember, ADT is the number one monitoring service in the country. It comes with world-famous ADT yard signs. The monitoring cost is just $1 a day. You probably pay more for coffee. This is the safety for your family and your possessions. You can save up to 20% on homeowner's insurance. Just call Protect Your Home, your authorized ADT dealer. Call now and get $850 of equipment and activation free. Call 1-866-778-3127. Call 1-866-778-3127. And here's our fast disclaimer. $99 installation charge, 36-month monitoring agreement at $35 to $39 per month. Call for terms and conditions and license numbers. Has the whole world gone mad? What's going on? How can they do that? Can Christians have demons? Why are politicians so detached? Need answers to these questions? This is Scott Enser for HardcoreChristianity.com, the nastiest Christian radio show and website in the country. When it comes to the biblical truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God, about what's really going on in America and the rest of the world. Come join us each day as Michael W. Smith of the House of Healing in Phoenix reveals what the churches in America fail to tell you about the true spirit realm concerning demonic activity, mental illness, and even the basis of hardcore evil that is sweeping mankind. Visit Hardcore christianity.com remember you cannot negotiate with evil you have to eradicate it it's not too late live in or visiting the phoenix area come join us twice a week for our healing and deliverance services or attend our free monthly seminars check website for service hours and schedules hardcore christianity.com
Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, June 24th, 2011. Gold opened this morning at 152040. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1558.97, 779.48 for a half ounce, or 389.74 for a quarter ounce. That's 1558.97, 779.48, and 389.74. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights have been reduced to old relics politicians ignore, trample with their outlandish, overreaching policies. Your support for the Campaign for Liberty stands in the way of this insidious process. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I have teamed up with the Campaign for Liberty to offer the authentic proof quarter-ounce pure gold coin. For only $440 plus shipping, Midas will donate $100 to this incredible organization. Help fight big government by ordering your gold coin at 800-686-2237. You get to win twice by owning gold and fighting an overreaching government. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976. Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightall.com. We're back with Jim Dalrymple of The Loop with LoopInsight.com. He's the kind of guy who, by the way, has all these sources he can't name. But he just <laughs> breaks these stories all over the place. He does incredible work. Go to his site, LoopInsight.com. He's not paying me to say this, but I'll take a check anyway, Jim. You know, okay, even a PayPal payment. Seriously. Okay, we're talking about patents, patent rights, Apple, always embroiled in intellectual property lawsuits. Now, I heard from someone else that even things like Android phones, they have to pay licensing fees for some things to Microsoft, don't they? Well, I, I think if you look at at all of the the products that are out there, I mean, all the companies pay licensing fees to uh, to somebody. I mean, I, you know, there there may be some unscrupulous companies that try and and steal technologies or whatever, but. I think if it's obvious that the technology is is patented, most companies will will pay that. Um, you know, Apple paid loads for uh, the ability to use in-app technology in its apps, uh, although that kind of blew up. You know, let me just uh, interrupt quickly here. If you really want to see what Apple's doing, go to iTunes. Go to the iTunes menu and go about iTunes and take a look at the licensing information. 
I mean, everything is licensed in in one way or another. I mean, companies do come up with their with their own technology, but in talking to patent lawyers, uh, one thing that that keeps coming up is that when patents get uh, get approved that are are so wide reaching, it makes it difficult for somebody else to come in and pick one area and patent that because. The, the first company will claim, well, we've already patented that. It's part of this big patent that we have over here. You know, so it makes it very difficult for new things to uh, to get patented. And then, you know, the first company can sue everybody <laughs> like Lotus is trying to do right now. And it's interesting also you have these so-called patent mills. They buy up a portfolio of patents of maybe underutilized products and they troll for someone who might be infringing on those patents. They go to a place in the U.S. where, for some reason, the courts and the juries are favorable to such things, such as East Texas. What is there about the eastern part of Texas that makes it the patent lawsuit mill? <laughs> I don't know, but you're right. There are quite a few uh, patent lawsuits filed there. So those people uh, and those courts must be very friendly to uh, companies that that own patents. Speaking of patents, and here's something really, really interesting. There's another story about patents, which is that Apple has certain patents that relate to television sets, such as a gaming experience, maybe even a 3D experience. Some mentioned 3D without the glasses. Manna from heaven, manna from heaven. Okay, <laughs> so we have, of course, the Apple TV. And I have some speculation about this, but there's also speculation all over the place now that that's a stock horse. That's a stocking horse. The real Apple TV is going to be a fully featured Apple TV set. What do you think? Well, I mean, that that rumor has been out for at least a year, maybe a year and a half. Uh, I, I think the first one to actually say that was, was Gene Munster, uh, who's a, a financial analyst has been following Apple for a long time and you know he said that a couple of times in the past uh, year or so and you know now others are starting to pick that up and feel that they have some other evidence. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's something that Apple would want to get into. I mean, Well the thing that worries me here is what can Apple bring to the table? Would it be compelling enough? I mean you take a look at today's TVs you have connected TVs. They have interfaces that include Netflix, YouTube, Flickr, etc. They could also license Apple TV technology and use iTunes. They could even license Apple's interface so you don't need a separate module. You use your standard remote with your standard TV, click iTunes or click Apple TV, and it goes into the Apple TV interface, and everything else works within the framework of an existing remote control. Apple doesn't have to build a TV to do just that. No, and that's that's why you uh, you have to think that Apple does have something. If they're going to release a TV, then they have something uh, that would make more sense than just a TV with Apple TV in it. You know, they don't usually enter um, a new product category unless there's something there. Now, maybe that something is tying the iPad and iPhone into the TV. Um, you know, without having to really do anything. I mean, you can't do that now. You can do it through the Apple TV, uh, but, you know, if that's all built into the TV, they no longer need that. That would give them, you know, somewhat of a position of power. 
The thing that has to happen here, of course, is for Apple to do something that's going to be so unique, make the product so compelling, it stands apart. Like I said, 3D without the glasses would stand apart. Maybe some more immersive way of having a gaming interface. You know, other things like some kind of auto color correction depending on your room or something like that with sensors. A built-in sound system. Something like that. But, you know, Bose has a TV set, a 46-inch LCD TV. It's over $5,000. It makes no sense. Wow. That's a pretty crazy price for a TV, isn't it? Well, they claim to have something called invisible speakers. And these speakers provide supposedly the impact of rear speakers, front speakers, a subwoofer embedded within the TV set. Now, supposedly it's gotten good reviews. I just think here you can get a 46-inch LCD TV for what? $1,100, $1,000? Why pay $4,000 more for some tricked-out speaker system? Well, I guess it all depends on what you're looking for, and the, the same can be said for you know whatever Apple's going to do. Um, if, if that's what you're looking for, then... I mean, you know, you could have said the same thing about the, the iPad. Well, who'd really want a 10-inch... Uh, what the, some said at the time, a 10-inch iPod Touch. You know, nobody's going to buy that. And people did say that. Nobody's going to buy that. But here we are. They're selling millions a quarter. So maybe a TV is is the same thing. I would think so. I would think so. We'll have to see. You know, I'm kind of skeptical of this. I think Apple wants to do something within the TV space. But it's not like smartphones. You know, basically, high-definition TV is a very saturated market. Smartphones, there's plenty of room for growth. Tablet was a nascent market that went nowhere. With TV sets, right now, it's reached a plateau. Manufacturers are scrambling to differentiate themselves. They're cutting the prices. They're adding high-end features, hoping to get you to buy a new TV. I mean, it's not something like a computer you buy every four or five years or a mobile phone you buy every two years. You buy a TV set for $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 or more, you keep it for a few years. A good plasma LCD TV, they're going to last more than 10 years. How do you tell people it's time to upgrade? How do you make them upgrade? How do you make a difference? <laughs> a reminder, if you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please write us. News at TechNightOwl.com. That's news at TechNightOwl.com. Once again, we will read each and every message we get. Guaranteed, we'll try to answer most of them. We're talking to Jim Dalrymple at the Loop at LoopInsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids. A novel in the grand science fiction tradition. 
Spring and summer bring out the best of nature, but blooming flowers, grass, and weeds emit pollen everywhere. Spring cleaning, molds, funguses, and pollens can cause severe allergic reactions. It's time to fight back. Get a blast of nature's most powerful natural remedy with Oregano P73, the most powerful oil of oregano available anywhere. Oregano P73 is an extract of hand-picked wild oregano grown in mineral-rich soils found only in the mountains of the Mediterranean. Experience this powerful and effective spice you can't find anywhere else. It is so effective. Even the ancient Greeks used oregano for their health. And it's not just a mere spice. Oregano P73 is also available as gel caps and as a sea salt-based nasal spray. Use Oregano P73 and stay healthy all summer long. Order today by calling 877-817-9829. 877-817-9829. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you suffer from poor sleep, you need MyPillow. Guaranteed to be the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Using a patented fill, MyPillow adjusts to your exact individual needs by gently supporting your head, shoulders, and neck. MyPillow has a natural built-in cooling effect, keeping your cervical nerves cool, giving you the best sleep of your life. MyPillow will never go flat and relieve snoring, migraines, sleep apnea, fibromyalgia, and many other disorders. It's antimicrobial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, and best of all, machine washable and dryable. MyPillow is made in the USA, has an A rating with the Better Business Bureau, comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and an industry-leading 10-year warranty. Order today at MyPillow.com or call 952-442-6199. That's 952-442-6199. Mention coupon code GCN and receive 20% off your order. What do you have to lose except poor sleep? MyPillow.com, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own, guaranteed. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy glucosamine chondroitin 60 caps summer sale priced at only $12. Colon and answer 250 caps summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We return with Jim Dalrymple of the Loop with LoopInsight.com. The question on the table, does Apple want to build a full-fledged TV set, the real Apple TV, does it make sense from an economic standpoint? Would Apple sell enough? Is the market willing to accept whatever Apple has to offer? Are existing TV sets good enough so whatever Apple brings to the table doesn't make sense? So what's the solution for Apple TV? Well, 
I really think that if Apple is going to bring something new to the table, then they can release this, get rid of the Apple TV, because it'll be built into the TV set. And remember, I think it was last year when Steve Jobs uh, was on stage at All Things D. He said that Apple TV was kind of a hobby still for Apple because of the way that the cable companies and everything were, were set up. So I would think that if Apple were going to enter the TV market, that they would have to figure out some way to deal with that situation. How are they going to either work with the cable companies or you know, completely work around the cable companies um, to make that TV something that people will want? I don't know. I kind of think that Apple is still going to have to think carefully I just wonder where the speculation comes about, you know, like this place has confirmed Apple must produce a TV this year or their brains will explode or something. Yeah. Yeah, that happens a lot, too. I mean, you know, a lot of the rumors out there and people can can say what they want. But, you know, there has to come a time when either the products actually happen. You know, it's not just a, a rumor or they don't. Well, in the sense of the Apple TV, the current unit has its limitations. The one is the remote has a very narrow operating range. That's what I find. So I'm 10 feet away. I've got to point it straight at the Apple TV, the sensor in the front, or the remote doesn't pick up. And that's worse than any other device I have connected to my TV. Have you seen that? I've seen uh, probably not as bad as what you have, but I have seen issues uh, you know, with the with the satellite remote, you can kind of just sit in your chair all comfy and twist it up and hit a button and the re- the unit will pick it up. But on the Apple TV, if you sit the same way and you don't have the, the remote pointed exactly at the Apple TV, it won't pick it up. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not as bad as what you're seeing, but I have seen that, yeah. It's also kind of awkward to hold. I'd rather just program it into my Logitech Harmony remote and be done with it. Really? I kind of like the remote. You do? I don't know. I, I do. just think, you know, everyone's different. But holding it in one hand and doing all that manipulation, it, to me, feels awkward. All right. In any case, does it make sense, then, for Apple to just license the technology to somebody else? Because they're still going to offer iTunes movie rentals and sales. They still can link it with your Apple-connected devices, your iPhone your iPad, your Mac, your PC using iTunes. Does it make sense well, to build a separate device? And that's what that's what it all keeps coming back to. What is it that Apple is going to offer to make this device different? What could they possibly have? And, you know, up until now, they've had cool devices and offered integration. And, you know, maybe, maybe they have another product besides the, the TV that, you know, is going to tie everything together. I mean, right now, with wireless networks and things like that, they could release an Apple TV, uh, a true TV set, uh, you know, with Apple uh, TV technology built into it, maybe Hulu and, and um, Netflix and all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, people could just watch away basically whatever shows they wanted whenever they wanted. I mean, there's no need for TiVo-type technology. It's, you know, watch on demand. Exactly. Well, I guess we're going to have to see how that shakes out, whether it's going to shake out or whether Apple's going to play the waiting game or the hobby game for a few more years and see where it shakes out. At the same token, have you ever looked at a Google TV? Do people buy them? I, I haven't looked at one myself. I, I talked to a friend of mine who 
who has looked at one, and uh, he said, it, you know, it was okay, but it, it wasn't didn't have the simplicity that Apple devices have. I mean, that, I think that's kind of why I like the Apple remote. It's got three buttons, you know, so you can sit there and just kind of feel around the remote without even looking and, you know, start doing things. So the Google TV, I guess, you know, wasn't, uh, he wasn't all that impressed. And he's not, he's not actually uh, uh, even a Mac guy. He likes Mac stuff and he likes PC stuff. So, you know, he didn't have any, any big bias one way or another. Well, I also, I think part of the situation here is that Google is also a company that tries to do everything. They've got to have a product for everything, a solution for everything. And if you do too much, you're destined to fail. Of course, in Google's defense, a lot of the things they keep calling beta. I mean, how many months ago did Google Gmail come out of beta? For years, it was beta. This way, they have no accountability. Oh, it's spaded. We're still building it. It doesn't matter if it sucks. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I must say that I do like a lot of the products that Google has come out with. I mean, they, uh, Gmail, um, I, I certainly use, uh, I don't use Google apps that much. Um, but you know, they're certainly the Kings of search. And I really respect the fact that Google allows its employees 20% of their time each week to work on other things. You know, so you have somebody in the search group that can work on a project that, you know, has nothing to do with search, just an idea that he has in his head. And I think that's how Google has been able to push things forward, because a lot of the things that they've ended up releasing were part of this 20% that employees could work on. And that's, that's pretty impressive. All right. Well, that makes sense if they come up with good stuff. If they come up with junk, well... Too bad. <laughs> well, and you, you can't always expect that uh, that everybody's going to come up with, you know, really cool things all the time. But the fact that they're able to exercise their their brains outside of, you know, their their pigeonhole job, uh, I think is a very positive thing. Now, looking into one other thing about Google, the Android OS, you know, it's really gained ascendancy. Although we have reports of malware problems from time to time because of the openness of the interface. Now it looks like the market share is flattening, and especially since the iPhone became available from Verizon Wireless, now we're seeing that the Google market share is beginning to dip a little bit. So is that a problem for Google, or does it matter? Because any company, any OS that has their interface, their apps, their search engines will still give them clicks. Sure. Uh, You know, Google is, whether their market share has has peaked or, you know, they're not going away. They're going to be around for a long, long time. Android is uh, uh, on a, a lot of devices. But here's where the problem that I see it when you start looking at market share. People compare Android versus iOS uh, or Android versus the iPhone is, is what people do. And you can't compare Android and the iPhone because Android is an operating system and the iPhone is a hardware device. So you can't do that. It's like comparing a, a, a Volkswagen Beetle to an orange. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. So if you're going to do a true comparison, you have to compare either one Android piece of hardware um, uh, say a, a Motorola device and an iPhone. Well, the the iPhone for market share just blows it away. 
there's not even hardly a comparison there. The, the other, other problem with the Android interface is that it's not a branding. Each company is free to add their own theme to it. Like well, HTC has their own custom stuff. So they can say with Google or something, but when you buy a Google Android phone, you don't know you're getting the same product as the company down the street or even the same operating system version. You're right. You're right. And But Google's taking steps to to curb that now because there's so much talk about the fractioning of, of Android. Uh, but in doing that, now Google isn't as open as what it used to be because it's it's uh, putting more control over the, uh, the, the the operating system and what people can do with it. Too much open could mean chaos. This is not chaotic. This is Jim Dalrymple of the Loop at LoopInsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Devon Think is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devon Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11, that's TNO11, for 15% off, all there at devontechnologies.com. That's devontechnologies.com. Where can you find a super strength potassium iodide supplement? Right here at thyroidki.com. With global radiation levels at record highs, is your thyroid safe from radioactive iodine poisoning? Potassium iodide, the key ingredient in Thyroid KI, is proven to block radioactive iodine from damaging your thyroid. Thyroid damage is permanent and can lead to thyroid cancer. Unlike other potassium iodide products, Thyroid KI is formulated in convenient 32.5 milligram tablets and is independently tested for purity with a 100% money-back guarantee. With limited stock selling fast, act now. Prepare yourself and protect your family. Use coupon code THYROID for a 10% discount. Visit thyroidki.com. That's thyroid, the letter K, the letter I, dot com. Thyroidki.com or call 855-599-9444. 855-599-9444. Again, that's 855-599-9444. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard 
standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793. 877-747-2793. Call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma. MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg. We're back with Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. It's Macs, personal technology, games, music, software, all sorts of stuff. And it's interesting here, I'm just looking that this week Apple releases Final Cut 10. Now think about this for a second here. Final Cut 10 is a movie app that it's, they actually call it Final Cut Pro 10 officially. But okay, Final Cut Pro 10. Now Final Cut Pro 10 is a professional video editing app in use by filmmakers, TV makers, etc., etc. Okay? Professional software for the industry, $299.99. What hath Apple done? Well, Apple is, is doing what they've been doing for a number of years. They keep taking this pro-level software. Uh, they did the same thing with Logic. And, and they price it ridiculously low. And the thing about Apple's Pro apps is that it's very easy for people to move up. So, you know, uh, filmmakers in, in Hollywood right now, I, I don't know how many movies were, uh, were built with Final Cut Pro that were just in the Oscars, but, you know, like 10 or 15 or something like that. Uh, so pro-level, Oscar award-winning people use Final Cut Pro. But then you have the guys that are just coming up, the indie guys, that you know can't afford these monstrous, expensive production stations. They can get Final Cut Pro for 300 bucks. Now, understand something here. This is the first iteration. It's like a brand-new program in the sense that when Apple revised iMovie, they rebuilt from the ground up. It is without some critical features. And people in the movie industry, as much as they admire the new technology, they're screaming because certain key capabilities aren't there yet. Supposedly, they'll be added in the months to come. But 
if you have a, a new, a, basically a new platform, then I think, um, you know, you kind of expect that. They did the same thing with iOS. Copy and paste wasn't there. Well, you know, it came in, in an upgraded version. Now, I'm not uh, a movie guy. I'm more of an audio guy. So I guess I would be kind of upset if if Logic Pro came out with a new version and it didn't have, uh, you know, the ability to uh, to to cut um, audio files. You know, that would probably bother me because that's what I like to do. So, you know, if filmmakers are are upset with it because it doesn't have some basic features, I have to think that uh, you know that Apple will be all over that. Yeah, my understanding is that supposedly they're working on different improvements and that probably, you know, within a few months, you're going to see them flesh out the feature set. In the meantime, movie makers don't have to upgrade. If they feel that the existing version of Final Cut Pro does what they need, they don't have to buy the upgrade. They can wait until the features are added. And those who are on a budget Budding filmmakers, budding J.J. Abrams or Steven Spielberg types, two ninety nine ninety nine plus forty nine ninety nine for motion, and forty nine ninety nine for compressor. What Apple's doing here is upending the price structure of the software industry. Most definitely. And look at it like this: there's two, there's two other points that uh, you need to look at. One is that uh, you can you can gradually move up with Apple through iMovie and into Final Cut and, you know, continue to work. I mean, they, Apple's making it very easy for these people. And also that the software is now available for download through the App Store. So, you know, you could be working along some night and say, you know what, I, I really want to do Final Cut because I'm frustrated and, you know, you don't want to go out to the store and you just load up the Mac App Store and buy it right on the spot. I think the problem we have with all that is very simple, and that is, all right, we assume that if you're a filmmaker, you live somewhere where you can download a file of several gigabytes. It's not a problem. It's trivial. And that gets to the problem with, of course, Mac OS X Lion. You have to download a copy. But what if you live in one of those areas in the country somewhere, you know, in the middle of Montana or something, and, all right, maybe you have satellite Internet, but they give you a huge cap on bandwidth. You know, you download four gigabytes, forget it, that's it for the day. What do you do? It's a good question. I, I don't know. Fortunately, I have a, a 100 megabit connection, and I can download that... Uh, that five or six or seven gigs and in less than 10 minutes. So, so that's the issue. Now, there's a quote. I don't know if it's official from Apple. If there's an Apple store near you, you can take your MacBook or whatever, go to the Apple store, use their Wi-Fi connection to make the download. Now, you also can install that on up to 10 Macs that are using the same Apple ID. So once you get the file, you can just bring it home and transfer it. They have a separate program for business and educational users. So that's it. But if you don't have an Apple store near you, like I got a letter from somebody, it would take them a full day driving back and forth to go to an Apple store or any Apple dealer to download the software. He has dial-up. He can't get broadband. He's stuck. You see, that's a problem. And it's not like... 
a rare problem. I think a third of the people in the United States of America don't have broadband, and a large portion of them can't get broadband. Well, I, I had no idea it was such a, a big number. If you look at the numbers, yeah, it's really, really dreadful. And, of course, people complain, well, the government's spending too much money. They want to give you broadband in every neighborhood, every home. Well, you know what? You kind of could use it, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I kind of think we could use it. But the other question I have, of course, with Lion is that if you want to upgrade, Apple expects you to be running Mac OS 10.6.7 or later. They're talking about a 10.6.8 momentarily. But regardless, there are millions of people out there who are perfectly capable of upgrading to Lion. They have the hardware, the Intel-based processors. They never upgrade to Snow Leopard. They still have Leopard. Or they have Tiger. So Apple expects you to buy Snow Leopard for $29, Lion for $29.99, two upgrades to get one. Does that make sense? Well, clearly there's something in, in Snow Leopard that they feel that you need. But can't they just build an all-encompassing installer and put it on a DVD and sell it? Another good question. I, again, I've, I've been you know, on the latest uh, software, so you know, for me it wasn't that big of a deal. I kind of look at the people who are challenged, though. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I, I don't know what Apple can do for those people. Yeah, I know what they can do. It's called make a DVD version, sell it in the stores, make it an all-encompassing combo installer. So if you're running Tiger or Leopard, it will take you, even if it's a double-step process, it'll take you to Snow Leopard and then to Lion if that's the way it has to be. All right, you don't sell for twenty nine ninety nine. you sell it for thirty nine ninety nine. Why not? That might work. You see, I have all the answers, folks. You do have all the answers. You've got a lot of them. That, right. I wish I could make a profit for them. But seriously, <laughs> not that anybody will listen to me about the problems. But overall, do you think Apple maybe has gone too far making the Mac OS look like the iOS? I don't think it looks like the iOS. Um, I think they've made some of the things act like the iOS. Um, you know, with swiping and, and different things like that, um, which, you know, I think is a good thing because uh, people are so used to their their iPhones. You know, now you can have very similar type uh, motions and thing on your computer. Uh, and that's, that's good. Well, We're going to have to see just how Lion fares once we all get our copies, because we're all running the latest versions of the Mac OS. I have a decent level of broadband here, so I'm not going to have a problem. I can scrape together to $29.99, so that's pretty good. I like autosave and resume, because they are protective features that should have been part of the Mac for years. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I love autosave. But I gather apps are going to have to be updated for that, right? Um, well, according to what Schiller said on, on stage at the keynote, he said it, it would just automatically do it. Um, so I'd, if it's a system-level thing, you would think that you know the apps are, are protected for the documents. Whatever resource they use for save can be enhanced behind the scenes. Listen, there have been auto-save utilities for the Mac 
for years. It's just taken all this time for Apple to get the message. We have Jim Dalrymple at The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're going to spend one more segment with Jim Dalrymple at the Loop at LoopInsight.com, and I wanted to focus on a native company of yours, all right? Of course, our friend Jim lives in Canada, and there's another Canadian company very popular called Research in Motion, and they're running into some difficulties now. Can you tell us about it? Well... I've been I've been very hard on RIM over the past several months, and I think that they deserve it. RIM has made, for years, have made the BlackBerry. And last year, they came out well after the iPad. They came out in September and said that they were also going to make a tablet, and it was called the Playbook. And from September to January, they did nothing. Then in January, they announced a new version of the playbook. And in February, they announced yet another new version of the playbook. But yet they hadn't shipped a single one of any version. So by February, they had announced three versions, not shipped anything. So I said in in my writings, enough. Stop announcing new versions of things that you can't ship. They finally did ship it in April. And, And in my opinion, it's a disaster. I mean, RIM made its name from the BlackBerry, from secure email, but yet they released the BlackBerry playbook. It can't do email. It doesn't do calendaring. Um, You know, the basics of what everybody wants to see in a device these days is to get email. The playbook can't do it. It's just, it's, it's a really pathetic attempt uh, from a company that was once great to to barely keep up in the market. Now, I wonder about the situation here. They have co-CEOs, the two founders of the company, serving the CEO spot. Now, I don't know. In most companies, when you have a couple of founders, you're the chairman of the board, I'm the CEO, or you're the CEO, I'm the chief operating officer. You parcel out your duties. It sounds to me they can't make a decision. Well... I don't. I honestly think at this point that they're overwhelmed. You know, they didn't see the iPhone as competition. 
uh, and that came and just really burned them. I don't think that uh, that they saw the iPad as anything that people would buy. That burned them. You know, so I just don't think that, that RIM has any foresight to, to say, here's where we need to be. And without that type of foresight, I mean, you're you're just finished. And I think that's where they are now. I think they're those two people have to leave. Shareholders have, have already been been screaming for them to to get out, and they won't. Well, that's what makes things really difficult. If they have a lion's share also of the stock, that could be part of it. I don't know what percentage of stock they own, but yeah. if they won't listen, the company is ultimately doomed to fail or become insignificant, and they don't have the time. I mean, this is where Microsoft finds itself, of course, with Windows Phone 7. Right now, the market has replaced them. They're dealing with feature sets that are a year or two old, and Microsoft has had this problem over and over again when they try to expand beyond the core desktop operating system and server and office suite business. The problem with research in motion is the market's moving so fast. Snap to it, man. If they can't snap to it, you know, yeah. people they, are going to give really up. They can't. They, they cannot snap to it. They can't do anything to even keep up at this point. Looking you know, at the I'm, overall picture also, one thing that helps move a product not, of course, just having apps. Of course, there are no apps for the BlackBerry Playbook. There aren't that many tablet apps for Google either. It's not just the apps. It's the ads. The ads are dreadful. You look at Apple. It's all lifestyle kind of advertising. This is what you can do with it. Okay, you can read a newspaper. You know, you can see interactive books and magazines. You read a book. You can use visual telephones, talk to your friends and family by FaceTime, whatever. You have all these great features. It shows you what you can do. It doesn't tell you about the hardware or the specs. It doesn't bang on your head with noise and special effects. It's just Peter Coyote with a simple narration. Here's what you can do with your iPad. Consider the possibilities. And then you have all this noise, like the one for the BlackBerry Playbook, where they stick in there the trailer from the movie Thor which might have been I guess current a couple of months ago when the movie first came out but who cares oh because you could run nine clips together all nine clips could run on your playbook okay so I have a something here with a what's that seven inch screen I watch nine movie clips who cares yeah I know I mean I I think what RIM is doing is focusing on the things that the iPad doesn't have. Um, for, for instance, um, you know, the iPad doesn't do flash. Some of RIM's biggest commercials talk about how um, the, the playbook does flash. Well, people don't want flash. I mean, that's clear from the sales. Well, Apple has over 200 million iOS devices out there right. that do not run Flash. Right. And RIM had to lower its sales targets for the playbook because it's not selling. 
So if everybody wanted Flash, why didn't people just throw away their iPads and run out and get a playbook? They would have sold millions. They sold 500,000. They shipped 500,000 to the well, dealers. Okay, yes. You're, you, cor- you rightly correct me where I correct other people. They shipped, and there's no telling how many of those sold. They might have only sold 10. We don't know. A ship just means that they leave your factory and they go in the channel. And through, when they go through the channel, they end up at retailers. Or maybe now, in wholesale warehouses, a wholesale warehouse. Be- now, the other thing that is mentioned here, which is something I guess you know, maybe you've written about, I have, is a story in CNET this past weekend. Hey, folks, it's not really a tablet market. It's an iPad market, you think? Yeah. Yeah, that that took some brains to come up with. So what we're seeing here is people buy the product because it is an iPad. They don't buy it because it's a tablet. And all these ads are trying to tell you, hey, Verizon has a special place for tablets. Okay. And Best Buy, probably a tablet area next to the PC area. Okay. But I wanted to buy an iPad. What's all that other stuff? Yep. That's exactly right. So, exactly right. I mean, I, you know, there there are some things that that RIM and and Android and all the tablet makers can't compete with, and that's Apple's ecosystem. I mean, you know, Apple has apps, they have movies, they have TVs, they have music, they have everything that you could possibly want. And now with iOS five, you don't even need a computer to use it. So you can just go to the store and buy one, set it up right there without a computer, and never need a computer again. Only if you have to sync, but with iCloud, it's going to sync anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And they're selling to an audience. We're going to have to show the door to Mr. Dalrymple in a moment. He has to go. But I've seen, for example, people who don't use PCs will use the iPad. My wife seldom uses my Mac the iPad, she spends hours a day immersed in that thing. Yeah. There you go. Jim Dalrymple, where do we find more of the things you do? You can find everything that I do on loopinsight.com. Uh, my writing and links to uh, Twitter and things like that are all there. And he plays music on the side. Yeah, do a little bit of everything. The genuine Renaissance man himself. The site, again, is loopinsight.com. That's loopinsight.com. The title of the site is The Loop. And it's not just Macs. As you can see, we were talking about a lot more than Macs, talking about music, software, the mobile phone space, lots of stuff. Jim Dalrymple, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks a lot, Gene. Remoter VNC. Use it to control your computer right from your iPhone, iPod Touch, or iPad. There are no monthly fees. It's priced at just 99 cents. You get Mac screen sharing. You also get Windows and Linux via any standard VNC server. And again, it's only 99 cents. You can check it out at rafsoftware.com, rafsoftware.com, or the App Store. Search for Remoter.
Devin Fink is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devin Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11, that's TNO11, for 15% off all there at devintechnologies.com. That's devintechnologies.com. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting to prepare. And now, it's here now. The huge summer blowout sale at TrueWilderness.com. How much will you save? Up to 70% store-wide. Save this week on Alpine Air Number 10 cans, Wise Food Storage, Berkey Water Filters, Food Dehydrators, Pressure Cookers, Sawyer Water Filters, and much more at up to 70% off. But only at TrueWilderness.com. This is the preparedness sale you've been waiting for. TrueWilderness.com has every item you need for any emergency. Shelter in backpacks, knives and tools, lighting and radios, first aid, food storage, water filters, and much more. And now, during the huge summer blowout sale, save up to 70%. Call 877-573-7173 or go to TrueWilderness.com. Hurry, call 877-573-7173 or shop online at TrueWilderness.com. This huge summer sale ends today. True Wilderness, an urban survival company. Again, the Congressional Budget Office sounds the alarm, this time warns of Greek-style U.S. debt crises. You heard me right. The GAO is drawing a parallel between the U.S. economy, its debt, and the current Greek economic meltdown. With the debt-to-GDP chart climbing into unfamiliar territory, the growing budget deficit will rise to unsupportable levels. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. The Federal Debt and Risk of Financial Crises document the CBO has published is a must-read for every American, covering the risk of continued deficit spending coupled with an aging population and the rising interest rates spell economic disaster. It's imperative that you get a copy of this document and study it for yourself. Call me today at 800-686-2237, and I'll send you a free copy. Again, call 800-686-2237 and ask for your copy of the CBO document. Once again, you need to read this government report. Call 800-686-2237. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from 
technightall.com slash radio. That's technightall.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. We have security guru Rich Mogul joining us. And obviously, in light of all the news stories you've heard in recent months, you wonder about what some call cyber terrorism. But, Rich, you don't like that term. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> this isn't really cyber terrorism, especially because some of these things are, you know, a denial of service attack against the CIA. It's not like it really damaged them. So now, what I, is a I denial like- of service attack? Explain that for those who don't understand. Yeah, basically, they, they wire together a bunch of computers and have them all try and access the CIA's website at the same time. And it's kind of like... You know, you and a hundred of your friends calling the local pizza place all at the same time. It just knocks it offline because no, none of the real traffic can get through. It's a little more technical than that, but for the most part, that that's pretty much what it is. Okay, so lots of places try to get CIA.gov or whatever the site name is. And if enough outsiders do that, supposedly it brings it down. But aren't there protections against this kind of thing? Well, yeah, there's things you can do to protect against it. But if somebody, you know, is big enough, they'll just hammer you for a while. But, you know, these these attacks never last for a long time, usually. And there are a a lot of ways around it. If you remember, it's not like the CIA's operational website was down. That's their public, you know, their, their, you know, almost like their, their public relations site, basically. And that's what got knocked down. I'm pretty sure the CIA doesn't manage their clandestine operations over the Internet. I hope not. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that would, uh, that, that would be pretty <laughs> I'd want my tax money back quickly Well, maybe you should ask for that anyway That's a good point, though Does the U.S. government and governments around the world Do they know, have the wherewithal, the funding To keep their computer systems up to date? Well, some do and some don't And I spent a lot of time working with government folks over the years You know, it, it can be a, a very, very tricky situation uh, they're, They tend to be unfunded, underfunded but one side, there's also a lot of bureaucracy and, and, and kind of how things are managed. And so, uh, you know, it depends on where you are within the government. It, it can very definitely be a struggle to keep those things secure. And, and let's be honest, nobody has infinite resources. And so if you've got a bunch of bad guys, you know, be it uh, a group like the Lulzec anonymous types who are just kind of, you know, bored and in it for fun or uh, something, you know, worse like like China or criminal gangs, you know, it's really, really, really hard. to, to It's impossible to keep those guys out. It's really more a matter of containment. So basically, you have to keep it under control, but that's it. Are there any cases that anyone knows about, maybe it wouldn't be revealed, of the real secret or mission-critical government sites being hacked successfully? Well, there was a, the DOD had some problems, and this is public. Uh, what happened was, is on the secret network, uh, there was a series of problems because uh, of an infected USB device. And so that got plugged into the network, and, and they were having a lot of problems with infections. Now, that was not connected to the Internet. So even though it was infected, that infection spread internally on that network. Information wasn't leaked or shouldn't have been leaked off that network. But that's an example of, of what happened. But the thing within the government is is that the actual real secret stuff, anything classified above a certain level, is not allowed to be connected to the Internet at all. And there's even restrictions on the physical facilities where it can be. I had read a story, and maybe you can clarify this. This is something a few weeks ago. The government is setting up some kind of alternate Internet connection to deal with crises overseas. I, you know, I haven't read anything about that. I mean, they do already have their own private network, Tippernet and Nippernet or two, that are designed for holding the, uh, um, basically for holding some of that, that more classified information. And that's all WikiLeaks things, the stuff that Bradley Manning got, I think it was 
cipernet, which is you know not a public network and is not supposed to be connected to the internet. Okay. Now the other question here: What about private industry? We heard about this problem that all these banks lately have had problems where people have gotten a hold of credit card information, that kind of thing. Should I even deal with banks anymore? Maybe just put my money back in the mattress. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I get that feeling myself some days. So one thing to remember, of course, credit cards we don't worry as much about because you're protected. Uh, that, that's part of the deal with credit cards, with your contract, with your credit card provider is your losses are going to be limited. Uh, it's much more concerning some of your basic banking, financial information. And, and yeah, you should be concerned. I mean, the biggest thing to do is to be very careful um, what computers you do your banking with. You know, and you never, never, never log in, you know, to your bank from a Windows XP computer or a computer you don't know or somebody else's system um, because uh, you, you're not, you don't have quite the same protections on your regular bank account versus um, your, uh, what was I going to say, versus your credit card. Well, the other issue here, of course, is that the banks themselves, are there things they can do to provide better security? I don't like reading that the largest banks in the world are having these problems. Yeah, well, Citibank really screwed it up. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how that happened, but if what appears to have happened happened, I mean, that is like borderline negligence uh, in, in terms of how they've got their setup. And we don't see that very often with the big banks anymore. They do a lot on the back end to secure their systems because, uh, you know, they'll be out of business if not. And law enforcement, to be honest, is much more aggressive and much more effective today than it used to be in the past at stopping these things. Uh, there was just a, a scareware ring that was caught across uh, the U.S. and the Ukraine and a couple of other countries. Uh, the the nature of crime has actually shifted online um, based on some recent studies and uh, to more low-level crime versus the, the big breaches of the big banks. We'll cover some of that in a moment, like the Mac Defender thing. But now there was this problem with Sony and PlayStation that lasted for months. Can you kind of sort this out for us? Yeah, so what happened, there was an initial breach, and we think it was by potentially by the, that anonymous group uh, going after Sony because Sony had gone after somebody who uh, basically w was doing jailbreaking hacking of the Sony PlayStation, not, not necessarily to do anything illegal with it, but because Sony had taken away the ability to run Linux on it, which was something that you know, had, been, had been unofficially even advertised, and then they locked out a feature that was built into their own product. Be careful so, who you piss off. Yeah, exactly. So they went after Sony, and uh, there was that initial breach. Um, and, and, and here's the thing. It could have been because of that, or it could have been real crime. We don't know. We do know they were breached, probably through a web application attack. Uh, and basically, they Sony had to take down the entire network for, I think it was over three weeks, for the, the PlayStation network, uh, so that people could play, you know, play games against each other online. I, I mean, that is as bad as it gets. Uh, if you have to take things down for that long, there, there must have been some very, very significant issues, and as well as the fact probably a real lack of knowledge internally on how to deal with a situation like that. Then what happened is that there was a series of sustained ongoing attacks against any random Sony site out there. Uh, and this is kind of where the, you, you kind of hit this network effect, where it was not the same group. It was different groups and random people just going after Sony wherever they could. Sony's a big company, you know, there's, there's a lot of websites, a lot of franchises all over the world, and uh, all of those things became targets basically at the same time. So, yeah, of course, you know, they, they hit sustained uh, sustain problems as a result. Okay, so in the wake of this, should I want to go online with PlayStation? Uh, well, um, you know, I didn't think you were a big gamer, but if you're up for another round of Black Ops, let me know. I'll be there. Uh, I'm not a gamer at all. I'm thinking in terms of our general audience. Yeah, no, I uh, so I, I think you'll be fine. Um, 
you know, again, it's your credit card. It stinks when you lose that info. Uh, I don't know, you know, how good they're going to be in the future. I mean, there's just no way to tell at this point. But um, what I can, uh, you know, what I can say is, is you know, look, if the ability of somebody to get cracked is how you make your decision whether or not to go online, then, you know, you, you don't go online at all. I mean, everything is breakable to a certain degree. Uh, so and- put your game and your money in the mattress. By the way, we have Rich Mogul, security guru who does not put his money in a mattress, I don't think. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use escapeharassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 9009. That's 877-457-9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money-back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works. If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to restoreyourhealthnow.com and choose liquid zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800 880 Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite. 
For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We are back with Rich Mogul, security guru. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're on the Tech Night Out Live, exploring first, of course, the Sony PlayStation issue. So is it safer to deal with Xbox Live? I, I'm not going to make the call between those. I haven't actually done an evaluation. I mean, Microsoft's pretty solid in terms of security. I mean, I know some people over there. Uh, I even know one guy over on the Xbox team. And, yeah, I, you know, the odds of them suffering a similar breach are lower, based on my knowledge. But, you know, again, who knows what going to happen now because Sony has obviously made a bunch of back-end changes and hired new people and, and all those sorts of things. So, But Sony certainly lost a lot of money over this and a lot of reputation because, you know, people who are using PlayStation say, oh my God, why should I do this? Well, I, I mean, it's a colossal screw-up, but you got to remember, people are really invested in that platform. So, you know, not everybody who's on, on PlayStation, on the PlayStation Network, is able just going to, you know, go out and buy an Xbox instead. And so, uh, you know, the people I feel for more, and, and believe me, I am not forgiving Sony. I mean, they've royally, royally, you know, screwed up in this case. So I'm not defending them by any means of the imagination. But people I really feel for are all the smaller software developers who relied on the PlayStation Network if they had kind of the online games and those sorts of things. I mean, they're the ones that could probably got hurt the worst because they were out of business for three weeks and there's nothing they could do. So during those three weeks, all the competitors were smiling, hopefully. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, you know, well, I mean, yeah, I don't think even Microsoft was overly happy to see something like that happen. Well, Microsoft doesn't want to be the next target, of course. You know, that could be uh, well, Microsoft's been a big target for a very long time. Well, it's normal for um, them. It's normal practice. But I've never heard this happening with Sony. I mean, Sony's had its problems. Sony today, the company Sony, is not like the Sony of 20 years ago. Far from it. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I, you know, it's uh, I, I don't look at Sony products the way I used to. Uh, their, their copyright and DRM related kinds of things are, are ridiculous. You know, it, it's one of the purpose reasons I haven't bought a Blu-ray player, although I do have a PlayStation, but it was given to me as a gift from a friend. So yeah, you know, it, it, they really did not handle how they, how they, you know, the, the, this situation very well. But again, I also don't know what happened on the back end. Now, as far as Blu-ray, I love Blu-ray. It doesn't matter that maybe Sony gets some of the royalties. The stupid thing they did, though, this is totally parenthetical. You know, with a DVD, you put it in, you stop it, you keep it in there, and, you know, six hours later, you go back and you pick up where you left off in a movie. That auto-resume feature is not part of the Blu-ray spec. So what that means is you either have to 
get the few Blu-ray DVDs that have a resume feature program into the interface, or you have to scroll through the whole movie again to get to the point where you left off. Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot of things we get criticized about Blu-ray. I love the quality of the images. I, I actually refuse to buy Blu-rays other than, than you know, some of the animated discs for my kids. Uh, and that's because I, I just, you know, they focus far more on copy protection within that standard of things. And this is, look, we're in the realm of personal opinion at this point. This is, you know, not, not analysis. No, 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 we understand that. This is Rich Mogul speaking for himself and his family, and that's it. And this is Gene yeah, Steinberg so- speaking for himself, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I love, I love, love, love the quality. And, you know, it's better than I can get through any alternative means than my HD cable or, or even my Apple TV. Nothing looks as, looks as good. But uh, there's a lot of things that annoy me about it. The fact that you have to install software updates because basically because, you know, Blu-rays keep getting cracked. So they tr- keep trying to rotate the keys. Is uh, that is why on my Samsung Blu-ray player every few weeks there's an update? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, has very little to do with giving you new features, and it has everything to do with them uh, in, um, basically updating the DRM, the digital rights management on that. Now, so that's, that's why those are frequently updated. The, the funny part is, is the root keys have been lost and publicized at this point. So, uh, you know, it, it is now impossible for them to update. Uh, they, they would have to redo and recall all of the hardware. Um, basically, to, to get an update that could stop people from hacking and um, and copying this. All 50 or 100 million around the world. This is another point I'd like to ask about. The safety of movie streaming, because that requires a login process and a matter of security. So, for example, lots of us use Netflix for downloads or Apple iTunes. Okay, are there dangers there? Well, you know, what do you mean by dangers? I mean, anytime you use a site, your information could potentially be lost. So it's not the nature of, of basically streaming video online. It's just anytime you give somebody a username and password, if they get hacked, you lose that. Okay, so is there a general piece of advice here, knowing that anyone and everyone can at one point in time be compromised, that secure information might be lost? What are the protections that we can follow to avoid that problem? So, Other than doing nothing. <laughs> Yeah, my best recommendations are two things. One, you know, pay off a credit card. It's not your bank accounts. You're protected and keep an eye on your credit card bill. Uh, number two is don't reuse passwords. That That's probably one of the biggest. Uh, because if somebody breaks the site and gets your password and we see this happening, if you reuse that password, then they'll use that to break into, you know, other sites that you use. Uh, and then the third is be good about, you know, what you get on email. If something looks fishy, you know, do your best to, to not click on it because lots of times now we're seeing email stolen. And you'll see, you know, an email, for example, the, the email provider that Tebow uses was, was broken into. And not just Tebow, but lots and lots of other services. I'm just using Tebow as the example. Uh, and if you are used to receiving messages from Tebow, uh, these guys can fully replicate that and they have your first name and they have your email address. So they can use that to try and get you to, to click on a malicious link. So you just got to be careful about that using, you know, good anti-spam filters and those sorts of things, which will help limit it. Now, one of the things, of course, that Mac OS X Mail offers, if you hold the mouse, your mouse over the link, Within a few seconds, you'll see a little pop-up that shows you where it's going. So if it doesn't say directtv.com, it says something totally different, well, at least you have reason to be suspicious. Yeah. The only problem with that is, and, and it used to be that that was the rule that we, that we sort of followed, um, 
is that the uh, a lot of the the providers and, and even the mail guys they obfuscate those links anyway. So if you look, you know, you go right now into your email and you go ahead and look um, at uh, uh, you know some of the links that are there. I, I will almost guarantee you that a lot of them will basically look like they're you know potentially nefarious links. They go to random sites. They don't go to where you think they do. They uh, go to some kind of interface where they provide the, shall we say, the content management. Uh, yeah, exactly. So they might go to Akamai or something, and we don't know that Akamai is a legitimate site. It is, but not everyone yeah, knows well, that. Well, I mean, Akamai, you know, so Akamai is an easy one to deal with, but there's plenty of other places where they might send something, uh, where they frequently send. You know, it could be that, I, you know, it, it's just, yeah, all sorts of weird names. It's not enough to keep track of yourself. It, it's annoying, and it, it does create more security risk, I think. Um, you know, I, I worry a fair bit about that uh, just because, you know, it's hard. People can no longer, you know, you trust their brains to figure that stuff out. Um, and, and it's not their fault. It's not that they're stupid, but it, it's just that that's the nature of, you know, what those systems do. On the other hand, I'm reading surveys now that the amount or proportion of spam to legitimate email is lower now because of some major arrests of spam sources. Yeah, I, I mean, it is. It, it may be down. It's just, you know, uh, again, it, it, there's a lot of these targeted attacks that are occurring as opposed to the generic spam attacks. And, uh, you know, for most people might not even be, uh, you know, might not even have to worry about that at all. But it's still the sort of thing that, you know, you ask me a question and, and those are the things that, that I worry about. But to be honest, it uh, clearly doesn't keep me up at night, and I'm a bigger target than most of the people here. What keeps you up at night? Um, my nine-month-old child. <laughs> <laughs> I recall the feeling long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. But other than the nine-year-old child or the needs of your family and friends, anything from the business keep you up? Uh, no. You know, the. Uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, the worst things are for everybody else, better they are for my business. And we think that you'd be a target because of your stature. Yeah, you know, we are a target, um, and I'm not at the top of the list. Uh, but uh, you, you know, we've done some good things to compartmentalize our infrastructure and such, and to make it hard. So the stuff we really, really care about, I really, really care about, is better protected. There's still things I worry about, and and I'm you know we're continually uh, continuously evaluating our security and putting new things in place. Uh, and, um, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll get nailed someday. I know it. I, I have no doubt. I mean, I, okay, I that's inevitable for everyone. We have Rich Mogul, security guru. One more session with him. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack 
of the Rockaway, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. If you suffer from poor sleep, you need My Pillow, guaranteed to be the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Using a patented fill, My Pillow adjusts to your exact individual needs by gently supporting your head, shoulders, and neck. My Pillow has a natural built-in cooling effect, keeping your cervical nerves cool, giving you the best sleep of your life. My Pillow will never go flat and relieve snoring, migraines, sleep apnea, fibromyalgia, and many other disorders. It's antimicrobial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, and best of all, machine washable and dryable. MyPillow is made in the USA, has an A rating with the Better Business Bureau, comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee, and an industry-leading 10-year warranty. Order today at MyPillow.com or call 952-442-6199. That's 952-442-6199. Mention coupon code GCN and receive 20% off your order. What do you have to lose except poor sleep? MyPillow.com, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own, guaranteed. Is your church, school, or organization desperately looking for new fundraising ideas? Tired of the same old candles or candy, taking orders, inventory, and low profits? Well, here's great news. 10X Fundraising guarantees 10 times traditional profits with zero hassle. For an amazing free bonus, free shipping, and an extra 10% off, enter GCN when you go to 10xfundraising.com. That's the number 10, the letter X, fundraising.com. Or call 800-480-8797. Visit 10X Fundraising for 10 times the profit today. Will you survive during the economic collapse or another deadly natural disaster? Your key to survival lies here at hardshoot.com. A former member of U.S. Special Operations knows what you'll need to survive in these hard times. Our online store arms you with extreme survival kits, self-heating food reserves, and more. For a limited time with any purchase, you'll also receive a three-day survival kit absolutely free. Prepare now. The online store, www.hardshoot.com. www.hardshoot.com. GCN listeners, why have you been hearing so much about Dermatol, the all-natural, all-purpose first aid spray? Because it's the must-have first aid product you need in your preparedness kit. Dermatol is made in America by Americans who know there's a more affordable, natural way to treat cuts, burns, bites, rashes, shingles, boils, and many other skin problems. Dermatol is gentle enough for diaper rash, powerful enough for bed sores, and harmless to the eyes and mouth. It's great for the whole family, even your family pets. Dermatol is antimicrobial, antifungal, antiviral, and not diminished by freezing, extreme heat, or years in storage. Dermatol is an absolute must for any first aid or preparedness kit. Dermatol's soothing, rapid restoration of Injured skin is so effective, it's guaranteed. Order yours today. Call 800-217-6677. 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. Efficient. Economical. Effective. Spray it all with Dermatol. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We are back with Rich Mogul, the security guru of the planet Earth and beyond. He's not going to respond to that because he thinks I'm crazy, because I am. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl live. Now let's talk well, no, about. No, no. I, I know you do some Beyond the Earth stuff, but uh, I'm one of those skeptical types, so. Well, you should listen to the show because we get some pretty strange things are happening there. And we have skeptics, too. We've had skeptics on the show. We have skeptics in our forums. Let's get back to security and all that stuff. 
So, okay, speaking of low-level dangers, where do we put this Mac Defender Scareware thing? Would you explain it once again for those who kind of missed all the conversations and maybe tuned in late? Yeah, so Mac Defender, as you said, is Scareware. What it is is basically when you go to a website, it'll throw pop-ups on your screen and try and download something to your computer and get you to run it which is uh, basically to run an antivirus scan. It says that you're infected. So they try and scare you into running it and installing it, which is where that name, uh, where that name comes from. And basically, you know, there's a big hubbub because it was one of the first widespread things to go after Macs. It didn't take advantage of any vulnerabilities on Macs. It, it just took advantage of uh, a little bit the architecture, uh, kind of the open safe files after downloading thing that everybody should, should turn off in Safari if you use Safari. Uh, as well as just, you know, fooling people into running it. And so uh, it got bad enough that, that Apple did have to address it directly. And, it, you know, they were coming under a lot of criticism. And I think not all of that criticism was necessarily warranted, but whatever. Um, and Apple came out with a uh, security update so that they would actually scan for Mac Defender files when you went to uh, actually open and install software in your system, as well as they could go ahead and uh, clean Mac Defender stuff uh, if you were infected, it would help you clean it off your system. Now, let's make it clear here. So far, Mac Defender is benign in the way it affects your system. It installs, but doesn't really do anything. What they really do is take your money. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it, uh, you know, you basically you're inheriting a license key, so it will let your let you use your computer normally again. Okay, so you have this license key. They take your credit card information. They charge it. But they're not using that credit card for anything more than the purchase of this item. They could, but they're not. Uh, no, I, I think so, depending on who you send it to, that, but, you know, that, that could end up in bad places. Okay. But there are credit card processors that do still process those charges um, normally, you know, okay. as if it was a normal one. So it could go either way. Sometimes it's, some of these are different. I haven't looked at specifically, I haven't looked at uh, uh, specifically what's going on with Mac Defender in terms of, um, if they were just doing the charge or if they were, were actually, you know, selling that information on the back end. Now, the other issue, of course, is the credit card processor. You hope they're not one of the larger places like First Data, which are supposedly legitimate corporations that do well, these transactions. Will, yeah, those guys will shut it down. So if they if they find it, then, um, you know, if it pops up in one of those, then uh, then it'll get shut down pretty darn quickly. So that's just the nature of uh, that's just the nature of um, you know the kind of they they don't mess around those larger processors. They mess around with the smaller ones, maybe the so-called bandit or the ones who look the other way and just take your three percent or two percent of the total and don't care what the transaction really is. Yeah, and a lot of them are located overseas and they may not even be around forever. Uh, if you're interested, a guy named you know look up a guy named Brian Krebs who is uh, used to be with the Washington Post and now is uh, working as a freelance journalist. That's unfortunate. The Washington Post, by the way, let go of some of their tech writers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Brian is the only true investigative reporter in the information security industry. Nobody else digs in like Brian does. I mean, he has gone over to work to Russia and talked to crime lords over there. Um, so he, his stuff is just exceptional. I'm biased. He's also over the years we've become friends. But um, Brian, uh, he actually has spent a lot of time researching the financial and criminal underground ecosystem for this stuff. Really fascinating stuff. I think it's at KrebsOnSecurity.com, and that's K-R-E-B-S. And if you're interested in learning more about those things, I, I recommend anybody go read Brian's stuff. It's, it's not like my stuff, which is highly technical. Brian really focuses more on what's going on in the criminal underground. Okay, so is the source of most of this in the Russia, in the Ukraine, places like that? 
Yeah, it does tend to be right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of technology in the Ukraine. I know that several companies we've dealt with, like Namesheep, they use really great support people in the Ukraine. They speak English very well, very smart, very nice. But in addition to a legitimate tech community, you have people who are not so legitimate. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's unfortunate. I've even been over to the Ukraine myself and to Russia uh, and, and to China. I mean, the three, three of the top places attacking us folks here in the U.S., I've never had any problems at, at any of them. Okay, so it's also, I gather, Rich, a cat and mouse game where they keep releasing newer versions of Mac Defender with different names and maybe different signatures, and Apple sends out silent updates to the security fix. Is that how it works now? Uh, Apple, yeah, so it's not silent updates. So that that's a very loaded term in the security industry, and what that means is they would like to do a full operating system patch without telling you they're patching the systems. I'm just so, thinking in terms of the security signature. So that's not a silent yeah, update, even though you're not it, theoretically downloading it manually. Yeah, exactly. So that's what it is, is that they uh, they actually will, will update the signatures like the antivirus software does. So how far does Apple want to go with this? What about Mac OS X Lion? Do you know of anything in terms of enhanced security there? Uh, you know, I would assume that Apple, as with every operating system, releases adding security. Now, one thing I gather, I guess maybe they're trying to do this with the Mac App Store, is sandboxing, which I gather is technically that app has its own space walled off from everything else. So if something goes wrong, it doesn't affect the system or other apps. Yeah, you know, OS X has actually had sandboxing for a while. It might go back to 10.5. Uh, I can't remember exactly when, but a lot of applications haven't necessarily implemented it, even, you know, some of Apple's applications. So I am a big fan of sandboxing because uh, here's an example, Adobe uh, PDF, uh, Adobe Acrobat on Windows, not on Mac, on Windows is sandbox. Uh, and basically what it means is all of the stuff that's running inside of it is kind of running within its own little sandbox so that uh, if some, you know, if, if the hacker manages to exploit a vulnerability in that software, it is harder for them to transition that attack exploit into the rest of the operating system. So therefore, so if Apple is enhancing the support for sandboxing or mandating it, say for applications that go in the Mac App Store, more and more of the products you buy will work that way. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily know um, what's going on with the sandboxing for Lion, um, but they have, with every operating system release, they have increased what we call anti-exploitation technologies, uh, which, which you and I have talked about way in the past, sure. as well as uh, sandboxing is, would fall into that category. This now, is already done on the Mac iOS, Store, by the way, isn't it? This is done on the iOS. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, with the Mac App Store, it gets even more interesting because uh, I, I was talking to a reporter. I don't think it made it into the article. Um, so, I, so I won't mention who it was. But sure. he said, hey, how can we prevent Mac Defender and those sorts of things? I go, you know what? I am totally fine if Apple adds an option, and it has to be an option. If it's manda- mandatory, then, then that's a problem. But adds an option you know, with your system preferences that you can only install apps off of, say, physical media and the app store. Uh, and that would really reduce the ability for, for bad guys to get you to download and install uh, malicious software. Right. But, of course, if you're a third-party company and you have a great product, but because of the way it's set up, we won't go into the detail because it's complicated, it doesn't get in the Mac App Store, but they could lose business as a result. Yeah, Exactly. Okay, so the other, I guess the final question here is Google, Android, no sandboxing, no protections, what? 
Uh, so Android, you know, I haven't looked at it, but it's not quite as locked down. So everything on iOS is very, very locked down. It's pretty much one of the most secure devices you can use. I've talked with a lot of people about that. Yes, it has vulnerabilities, but man, they have really cranked that thing down since the earlier versions of iOS. So, uh, you know, it, it's really hard to exploit that right now. Um, and so, uh, you know, Android, because it's open, you can install any kind of software that is always going to make it more vulnerable to that kind of exploitation. Something Google has to think about, and we hope they will think about it. Yeah, well, I mean, they, you know, I'm sure they're thinking about it to a certain degree. We just don't know, you know, for, for how long. Right. Well, you've heard some instances here where some malware-infected apps showed up at the Android marketplace. Google learns about it, and then, of course, they shut down the applications. But that's like, you know, closing the barn door after the cows have left, isn't it? Yeah, and they've had more problems with this than Apple has. You know, Android is not at the level. If I was going to, you know, rank phones in in layers of security, um, Blackberries, and iOS are probably at the top, and Android is unfortunately at the bottom. Windows 7, Phone 7 is probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, it might even be near the top. It just hasn't been studied as much. We'll have to see where that turns out, and maybe we'll talk about it more the next time that Rich Mogul joins us. Rich Mogul, where do we find more of the stuff that you write about? You can find me over at, if it's my Mac stuff, most of that's at tidbits.com, as well as uh, occasionally over at Macworld. And then for my security uh, geek sorts of things, you can find me at securosis.com. And that's S-E-C-U-R-O-S-I-S.com. And if you click on Rich Mogul's name over at technightout.com when you check our radio show notes, it goes right to his securosis.com site. Rich Mogul, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. No problem. Thanks for having me again. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Lex Friedman of Macworld Magazine. And front and center, and it's something we talked about very briefly in our previous interview with Jim Dalrymple at the loop at loopinsight.com, and that is Apple gets this patent which covers a fair amount of touchscreen-related stuff. Could you explain the, the patent that Apple got awarded, they originally filed for December 2007. And what the, the patent that, that started all the news this past week specifically looks at uh, the multi-touch facility that lets you have one finger 
trigger one action and using more than one finger trigger a different action. So some folks are looking at this patent and saying this only applies to a very limited use case, you know, where I, I launch Safari on the iPhone, I use one finger to scroll the page, and I use two fingers to scroll on iframes within that page. It's true that that's what the, the main patent that we looked at covers, but this multi-touch patent actually has four or five or six sub-patents linked to it that are all also now newly approved. So basically, if you breathe, you're in violation of the patent almost. It does seem, uh, you know, the, the experts I've spoken to about it suggest that it, it is a fairly broadly written patent, that anybody who's doing any kind of multi-touch interface on a mobile device, regardless of what technology they're using to accomplish that multi-touch interface, could, in theory, be violating this patent. So it's the act. It's not what kind of electronics they're using. Exactly. You know, it oh. used to be, in theory, that when you had a patent, you had to say, you know, here's the problem that we're solving, and here's precisely how we're solving it technically, and thus we now get the patent for it because we were the first to solve it. Today, though, you can get a patent proof saying, here's a problem, and here's what we think the solution should look like. And that's essentially what Apple's patent laid out. Now, clearly, Apple knows how to solve the problem. They've created very successful multi-touch interfaces, but the patent doesn't apply to any specific technological implementation of that technology. It's just the technology. Exactly. The idea of support of letting multiple fingers make multiple different effects on a touchscreen device. So basically, every company on the planet with a product that does any of that, they're in trouble. I mean, I would suggest that, yes, Google or with Android and Microsoft with Windows Phone 7, you know, and all these companies have to be at least very aware and, and sweating the details of Apple's newly awarded patent. Okay, so the other thing is, of course, I guess in theory, Apple can go and send cease and desist orders to all these companies. It could. I think that's the less likely outcome. You know, I spoke, and I didn't know about much of this until this past week, but all the, the various experts I spoke to, including this fellow named Matt Schruers, who's the vice president for law and policy with the nonprofit Computer and Communications Industry Association, and a, a lawyer who knows about this stuff, basically explained to me that, yes, Apple could say, you must cease and desist doing this multi-touch behavior. But then that leaves them open to two big problems. One, they've got to go before a judge, and the judge is going to rule on the patent's validity and the patent's broadness and all that. And that's a case that is impossible to predict because judges and, and those kind of cases are notoriously randomly ruled upon. And then two, they don't want anybody to counter sue them saying, well, you own multi-touch, but we own you know the idea that you can turn on a multi-touch device. So now we're suing you and we want to shut your phones down. So as explained to me, what happens in these cases now is um, – we essentially get to a state of mutually assured patent-based destruction. It's a cold war. So now Apple's lawyers will get in a room with all of their patent files, and Google's lawyers will get in a, the same room with all of their patent files, and they'll compare the stacks of patents and see whose is bigger. And then by the end of the discussion, they'll have worked out some sort of cross-patent licensing deal so that everybody can keep going and nobody can threaten the other one's business. So the key here is... You give us a check, we give you a check, and leave us all alone. Exactly. Now, it's possible that you know some smaller multi-touch companies won't have any patents that Apple feels it needs to license, so Apple will charge them licensing fees. But I think, again, it's more likely that they would seek to extort money than to shut somebody down. Because when you sh start shutting people down, that's when the Department of Justice gets curious, and that's a, a ball that Apple, I think, would like to avoid. There's also the danger that the judge, as you suggest, might say, this patent is too broad. 
it's gone. Exactly. The, these cases are very da- challenging, and judges are often hesitant to rule because these cases always get appealed, and their decisions end up getting reversed anyway. Uh, it's it's impossible. I mean, any court cases, obviously, you know, it's it's impossible to predict, you know, how a judge or jury might rule. But in patent cases, it's like I said, you know, they have a reputation of being very random. It's impossible to predict, you know, how an individual judge will construe an individual patent. So basically, nothing's going to happen. As far as the public is concerned, they're not going to see anything. They're not going to see necessarily lawsuits being filed or anything. It's all going to occur behind the scenes. I'm, I think that's the most likely outcome, but it wouldn't shock me if you know there are players in this space, in the multi-touch device space, who don't have key patents that could, you know, that Apple would find lucrative or, or worth a cross-licensing deal, that Apple could go after those companies and say, you know, the same way the LoadSys did to Apple, say, you've got to pay up if you want to continue to sell your product, you owe us a patent licensing fee. And that's when the story would, I think, really become publicly aware. All right, LoadSys, explain to our listeners once again, because this, you know, has been so muddy with so many different patent and lawsuits involving Apple. Lotsis, where does that stand and what is it about? So uh, the original story with Lotsis was uh, this is a, a patent trolling company. All they do is own a few patents that they bought from others uh, that sent out letters to iOS and also Android app developers alleging that they, by virtue of you know, using, um, for example, in-app purchasing or you know, in-app promotions to upgrade, that these apps were violating Lotsis's patents. Um, so Lotz has sent them letters saying, you're going to start paying us a fraction of your profits, including all back profits, or we're going to take you to court and you have three weeks to decide. Um, Apple intervened. First, they intervened by sending a letter to Lutz saying, you know, listen, we've already licensed your patents and our licensing of your patents covers all the iOS app developers. And Lotz doesn't agree. So Lotz did file suit against, uh, I think, seven or eight developers, including one Mac app developer and a couple of Android app developers. And then Apple f- uh, filed a motion to intervene in that lawsuit, meaning they want to they want to become another defendant in that lawsuit because right now Apple's not a direct party in the case. Lotsis just on, uh, I think it was on uh, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, June 22nd, Lotsis went in and said, uh, we'd like an extra month. First, they said we want an extra two months, and they said they filed that one in error, so they filed another document and said we just want a month. We want an extra month to respond to Apple's motion to intervene. Now, that could mean one of two things. It could mean that Lotsis is slow, or it could mean something more interesting, because Lotsis specifically said in its filing, Apple doesn't oppose our uh, request for another month to reply through their motion to intervene. So why would Apple not care if Lotus wants an extra month to intervene? My guess is some kind of negotiation is happening behind the scenes. And what we're going to hear in the coming month is Apple and Lotus have reached terms by which Apple's going to pay a little bit extra to Lotus for its patents, thereby explicitly covering all of its app store developers. So what happens to Google? Google's got to make its own bet. You know, it's, uh, I, you know Google hasn't publicly uh, said anything, hasn't filed any documents in this case, hasn't sought to become a defendant, and is thus far, again, publicly, leaving its Android developers um, to fend for themselves. <laughs> uh, one would think that they would still need to reach new terms with Lotsis and or come to the aid of their developers. But I mean, clearly, this is a case that's hugely important to Apple. Apple does not want its developers to run uh, uh, fearing to run from the App Store, fearing that uh, they could be opening themselves up to this kind of litigation. There's no way Apple's going to let this go unresolved. This is strictly in-app purchases. That means when you're running the app, you have the option to buy an update or a different product. Exactly. I mean, Lotus has four patents that cover a couple different things, but it's all around that area. It's, you know, purchase stuff within the app to add functionality, but also the mere mention of the mere inclusion of promotions mentioning said 
potential upgrades theoretically or, or Lutzis alleges violates one of their patents. Okay, so if I was a Google developer and Google is not standing up for me, I have to think twice about what I'm doing. At least <laughs> Apple is making the effort exactly. to I mean, support its developers. If I were a mobile developer, I have many reasons to think twice about developing for Android, but this is probably the most significant one, right? If I'm going to be potentially legally liable, uh, owing all kinds of fees to this patent-trolling company, Lotus, then, and, and Google has no interest in helping me out, then that's, that's probably the nail in the coffin, at least if I'm a developer, uh, for my you know, developing for that platform. I wonder, after all this time, and parenthetically, we have the Google Android tablets out there for a few months with middling success. Are there even any decent numbers of apps for Android tablets yet? You know, from what I've seen, there are very few. You know, Google's made a few of its own, and then uh, there are very few folks who are developing explicitly for the tablet OS. Well, that's Google's not much one. to sell, is it? <laughs> exactly. You, know, you don't have very many customers. You know, if you've got, you know, many teens of millions or 20 million plus iPads out there, uh, that's clearly where the tablet audience is. We'll get into more of this in a moment. We have. From Macworld Magazine, Lex Friedman, we're covering the latest news and views in the Apple universe about patents, about all this other complicated stuff about Apple. Coming up, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Remoter VNC. Use it to control your computer right from your iPhone, iPod Touch, or iPad. There are no monthly fees. It's priced at just 99 cents. You get Mac screen sharing. You also get Windows and Linux via any standard VNC server. And again, it's only 99 cents. You can check it out at rafsoftware.com, rafsoftware.com, or the App Store. Search for Remoter. Energy, energy, and more energy. We all need it. Get the energy you need quick through the powers of wild forest extracts. Wild Chagan Birch Bark are the secrets of the forest used exclusively by Russian athletes. Wild Chaga is the world's top source of superoxide dismutase, the critical enzyme that blocks the aging process. Chaga is good for your heart and even helps support healthy arteries. Wild Birch Extract is the top source of betulin, a natural sterile needed by every cell of the body. And healthy cells mean a healthy body and a more powerful you. No wonder it's known as a king of all herbs. Experience real energy and power like you've never dreamed possible. Take Chago Charge Tea with Wild Birch Bark every day and Chaga Max capsules to get the energy you need. You deserve it. Order today by calling 877-817-9829. 877-817-9829. That's 877-817-9829. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the U.S. dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of $3 million. The answer to protecting your assets is simple. Call John Ballman today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Get all your questions answered before your money is worth zero. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting to prepare. And now, it's here now. The huge summer blowout sale at TrueWilderness.com. How much will you save? Up to 70% store-wide. Save this week on Alpine Air Number no. 10 cans, Wise Food Storage, Berkey Water Filters, Food Dehydrators, Pressure Cookers, Sawyer Water Filters, and much more at up to 70% off. But only at TrueWilderness.com. This is the preparedness sale you've been waiting for. TrueWilderness.com has every item you need for any emergency. Shelter in backpacks, knives and tools, lighting and radios, first aid, food storage, water filters, and much more. And now, during the huge summer blowout sale, save up to 70%. Call 877-573-7173 or go to TrueWilderness.com. Hurry, call 877-573-7173 or shop online at TrueWilderness.com. This huge summer sale ends today. True Wilderness, an urban survival company. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com We have Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine, the subject on the table. We started with, of course, Apple's intellectual property, but of course Apple isn't just the one who has the intellectual property. They have to license from others. So they made a deal with Nokia to give them lots of money. Well, I, I, you know, I, there's <laughs> the Nokia stuff. Yes, uh, basically that was before the uh, International Trade Commission, and Nokia and Apple had been battling out whether Apple owed Nokia money or not. And in the end, Apple said, "Yes, we're going to give them an unspecified large sum of money, <laughs> and um, that way, Nokia is going to stop bothering us in court, and we're going to be able to do this, the things that we want to do with our technology." Apple hasn't yet been so lucky with Kodak. There's this ongoing dispute that Kodak has with both Apple and RIM regarding the use of camera phone image previews. So you use your iPhone, let's say, to take a picture and you can see a preview of what that image is going to look like before you, you know, print it or use it elsewhere. And Kodak says that violates various patents that it owns. That's a question I'd like to ask then. If I have a Canon camera that has a preview of the image, that's also a Kodak patent and they have to pay for licensing? In theory, they, they have to strike some kind of licensing deal with Kodak to, to, to show those previews, either, like we said, a cross-patent licensing deal or a, uh, or a fee. 
Okay, so what's the argument here? Apple won't pay them? Apple and, and RIM both disagree that they are violating any of Kodak's patents. So this one is now before the International Trade Commission. They were supposed to rule on Thursday, June 23rd. The, the ITC was to say, you know, here's the situation between, uh, here's what we believe is happening with Kodak's patents and whether Apple and RIM are violating them or not. Then just at their, you know, 5 p.m. Eastern deadline Thursday, ITC said, we're not going to rule yet. We're going to give ourselves a one-week extension. Uh, the expectation is, when you say we're going to give a one-week extension to ourselves to make this ruling, to say what our findings are, that tends to mean we believe that a, uh, a settlement is in the works. And the, the numbers that I've seen, you know, um, uh, people bandying about <laughs> could be a billion-dollar-plus settlement. That was what the Barron's prediction was, that this could be, end up that Kodak makes a billion bucks from, from Apple and RIM combined to, to get these patents licensed. Combined. So Apple might pay maybe half a billion and RIM pays the rest or something. But to Apple, that's nothing. Right. When you've got as many billions in the bank as Apple has, that's that's really a, an unbelievable drop in the bucket. But, uh, you know, we'll have to see what the settlement is. It could be more. It could be less. And, you know, it could be that the t- sides don't settle. And then you have to wait and see what ITC says. Oh, time will tell. Such a confusing world out there with all these patents. There's also the lawsuit involving Apple and Samsung, which is more peculiar because Apple spends billions and billions of dollars buying spare parts, components from Samsung. So, for example, the liquid crystal display that's on your Apple display, your iMac, your MacBook Pro, possibly even your iPad, a lot of those parts are sourced from Samsung. Exactly right. And now, you know, the the companies are really going at it in court um, with really a a surprising amount of of back and forth bickering, especially given, like you said, Gene, all the business that the companies do together. You know, Apple is essentially accusing Samsung of ripping them off. Samsung, you know, they say that Samsung copied the iPhone and copied the iPad in a way that A, attempts to benefit from Apple's innovation and B, attempts to dilute Apple's own brand. They refer in core documents, Apple refers to Samsung as the copyists. Now, Apple said, you know, we want to have some as yet unreleased Samsung products so we can review them and determine whether we think that we want to request an injunction against the sale of those products. To be fair to Apple, these are products that Samsung has given out some of, you know, at a Google event, they gave out some of these um, tablets that, that Apple's concerned about. So it's nothing that Samsung hasn't at least shown publicly. So in response, Samsung said, well, if Apple's going to get our pre-release products, we want to see the iPad 3 and the iPhone 5. The difference, of course, being Apple hasn't yet publicly said, I mean, clearly Apple's working on an iPad 3 and an iPhone 5. Let's not be kidding ourselves here. But Apple hasn't publicly announced anything about those products, nor has it shown them anywhere. So it's not exactly the same situation. And Samsung says, we want to see those. Apple, of course, says they want to see those so they can copy them before we even release them. We don't want to do it. Apple told the court, well, we're negotiating with Samsung behind the scenes, so we don't need you to issue a ruling yet. We're talking to them. Then Samsung told the court, that's not true. Apple's not talking to us at all. We want a ruling. So the companies really don't like each other. And then just uh, just Friday the 24th, Apple sued Samsung again, this time in South Korea, for the same basic patent infringement issues. Oh, ever so complicated. Right. I wish they could all get along, but I mean, it's another situation where... It's very hard to, for Apple to come out a true loser, even if, if a court finds that Apple has to give them pre-release products, which I am convinced the court will not, or if the court finds that Samsung isn't quite as invasing, you know, isn't infringing on Apple's patents as much as Apple thinks it is. It still doesn't affect Apple. People aren't buying these Samsung products over Apple's that much anyway. Well, Samsung's barely selling any compared to Apple. Exactly right. It's also complicated. How is a company... On the one end, they're partners with Apple, selling them lots of hardware. On the other end, they're being sued by Apple. How do you reconcile that same company? 
It's, um, <laughs> I imagine it's challenging. I don't know what those backroom meetings are like. I don't know how that comes up when it's time to renew the deals, but they're, they're good deals from both sides, right? That's why they do business together. Apple likes the price it can get from Samsung, and Samsung likes the business it can get from Apple. So I imagine that it's, it's sort of like the, the walled silos you think of when you think of, you know, uh, Macworld, my own employer, right? So we've got the ad sales team who talk to various vendors and say, sure, we'd love to let you Apple advertise Final Cut Pro on our website. And then we have our review of Final Cut Pro where we say, eh, it's okay, but it's not great. And we have to keep those, those conversations happen very separately. And I imagine it's got to be something along, along those lines. Although with the amount of money at stake in the Apple Samsung negotiations, that, that kind of separation must get harder. That's a good question with regard to Final Cut Pro. Apple totally rewrote this app. Are you much into Final Cut Pro? There was a time in a, in a past job when I hosted a, a daily video show, and I was using Final Cut Pro every day to edit this show together. Um, so I have had a chance just um, in the past two days or so to, to play with Final Cut Pro X. I think they're saying X for that one and not 10. Um, I've had a chance to play with it. And, you know, I, I'm actually okay with the changes. I would say that the shift from Final Cut Pro 7 to X is as dramatic a, sh- a shift as Apple made when they went from iMovie 6 to iMovie HD. I think that I have those names right. But, you know, when Apple ch- totally rewrote iMovie and said, you know, instead of having a more traditional timeline, we're going to use a almost a, a word processing style approach to film editing, uh, they, they've made the same change now. It's... <laughs> I can argue both sides of Final Cut Pro because Apple certainly made a very dramatic shift. Uh, they cut the price dramatically too. It's only 300 bucks now available in the Mac App Store. The, the biggest mistake I think Apple made was that uh, the new Final Cut can't open the projects from old Final Cut. So in addition to learning everything what? new and redefining how you do things, exactly, it doesn't open old Final Cut projects. If you want to open your old Final Cut projects, you've got to keep Final Cut 7 lying around. Uh, and they didn't say that initially on their Mac App Store page. So all the excited folks ready to try the new Final Cut plunked down 300 bucks, get the download. There's no free trial available. And only then did they see, oh, I can't even open my old projects. It can open iMovie projects, but it can't open Final Cut projects. And that's, How does uh, Apple justify that? I don't know. It's not one that I would justify. You know, I have friends who suggest, friends at Macworld even, who suggest that you know, maybe a, a forthcoming update will, uh, will make that happen. But Apple hasn't said so. And if Apple's not saying so, it's, it's clearly a very big criticism that you, you literally – nobody's going to say, I'm willing to never again open any older project I've worked on. That's, that's an impossible statement. So nobody who's done anything with Final Cut in the past is going to be willing to ditch 7, which is only going to hinder, in my mind, uh, X's – you know, uh, future success. I'll tell you, we'll get into more of this in a moment. Lex Friedman from Macworld joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338, utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. Love gardening but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, PlantSkid. PlantSkid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. PlantSkid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain. Not PlantSkid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. PlantSkid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use PlantSkid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkyDD.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. PlantSkid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroit 60 cap summer sale priced at only $12. Colon Enhancer 250 caps summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. 
We have Lex Friedman of Macworld Magazine. We started with Apple's intellectual property issues, patent lawsuits and patent rights and all that. Gotten into Final Cut X, and Apple, of course, touts all the great new features, but it can't import older projects from older versions of the app. Really confusing. But there's also a set of fixes for 10.6.8 that also impacts Final Cut Pro, right? You know, I saw that. They, the uh, 10.68... The 10.6.8 update that came out, you know, is supposed to make Final Cut Pro better, but it still doesn't uh, make importing old projects work. You know, it helps with importing other kinds of files, but doesn't help with importing your old old projects yet. Apple just hasn't introduced that technology. If they do, I think it's going to make this transition a lot less painful. But there are still going to be very uh, loud and explicit critics of Final Cut Pro X. You know, it's if you remember iMovie 08 which we were talking about before the break, you know, when Apple introduced iMovie 08 and it was uh, very, very different from the previous iMovie, Apple left the previous incarnation of iMovie available as a, as a download to iMovie customers for two years. During that two-year period, Apple spent its time saying, let's take all the iMovie features that we didn't include in the new iMovie, more meticulous sound editing being just one example that occurs to me because that was the one that frustrated me so much, and let's add those back into our new version of iMovie, our new approach to movie editing. So I think it, it was the right move for Apple to say, we're going to keep offering the, the older version of iMovie for a couple of years uh, for folks who buy the new one. Uh, we're going to keep offering it because the, there isn't feature parity yet. You know, we've, we have a new take and we think that this new version is better and does things in a better way, but it doesn't, it doesn't match feature for feature what you used to be able to do. So until it got to the point where Apple considered it, you know what, this is now feature complete. We've got everything that we had in the old versions plus all of our new magic. Until that time, they kept offering the old version. If that, right now, Apple is saying we're not going to sell any more copies of Final Cut Pro 7. We're not going to make it available in any other way. If you get one of the boxes that's available in a store right now, you can have it, but otherwise it's going to be gone. It's at its end of life. And that, I think, is um, a challenge because folks who, who still need Final Cut 7 support because they've got these old projects and because it has, on the whole, more uh, or, or it has various features that, that X does not implement, uh, folks who would try to make that switch entirely can get left in the lurch. Ah. Things are so confusing out there in the wilderness that Apple makes these decisions. But on the good side of it all, Apple is really lowering the prices of their software. Yes, and I think that's um, uh, Apple's new strategy on software pricing is pretty compelling. And I think it's in some ways Apple fell into it. It started with the iOS App Store. And you remember when the iPhone first launched in 2007, there was no App Store. Steve Jobs very famously said, if you want to make apps for the iPhone, make web apps, and they'll run beautifully in Safari. Then, you know, a year or so later, they said, hey, you know what, we're going to make our APIs available, and we're going to introduce the App Store. And very quickly on the on the iOS App Store, there was a race to the bottom for pricing. There are folks who will buy a, a $200 phone or a $300 phone, and then they'll say, $2 for this app, what a ripoff, or 99 cents, it should be free. And that's a, a tough pricing model for, um, for software developers to succeed in because it basically means if you want to compete at the dollar price point, you are playing a volume game. You've got to get hundreds of thousands of purchasers or your app's never going to run a profit. But that, that change on the, the pricing model in the iOS app store has been somewhat similarly matched in the newer Mac app store. When Apple launched the Mac app store, it took some of its own titles like Aperture and said, you know, instead of charging a couple hundred bucks, we're going to charge 79 bucks. And now with Final Cut Pro, they're saying we're only going to charge $300 for Final Cut. And I think we're seeing that, <laughs> I, I guess the, the most prominent example is Mac OS Lion is going to sell for 30 bucks in the Mac app store. And that's, um, you know, if you remember, with the exception of Snow Leopard, which was, uh, you know, Apple called a smaller update, and they made, they sold it for twenty five dollars as a as a sort of behind Actually, the scenes. Actually, twenty nine dollars. 
$29, right? Sure. So Apple sold that one for $29 for, uh, as a, as a behind, mostly an, an under the hood behind the scenes update to Leopard. Um, but every other Mac OS 10 update was, you know, $129. Uh, so for Apple to say that this time around with Lion, we're now, we're not going to make this price dramatically lower and only sell it, um, only sell it in the Mac App Store is a pretty, a pretty seismic shift. Of course, the other problem is here to get a copy, it has to be running Snow Leopard with 10.6.7 or 10.6.8 with the version of the Mac App Store that allows you to download or whatever. That's great. But there are millions of people out there who have Intel base Macs eligible for Lion. They didn't upgrade from Tiger to Leopard or from Leopard to Snow Leopard. So what do they do? You know, it's interesting. If you didn't update from Tiger to Leopard to Leopard to Snow Leopard, then I... I, it's I, and I, I hear this comment. Then I wonder though, what's the likelihood that you were going to upgrade to Line anyway? You've been sitting on the sidelines for a couple of years. If you want to upgrade to Line, I think you're going to have two choices. One point to raise before you mention that. Sure. And that is, Apple sold Snow Leopard as just like a bug fix update, which implies, well, it's cheap. Maybe you don't even need it. That's fair. That's fair. But I mean, well, so I mean, but if you look at it, this, if you say that, if you say that, you know, Apple charged so little for, for Snow Leopard because it was just a bug fix update and it wasn't worth it. And you look at Lion, which I think is, is uh, not, it's not up for debate that Lion is a, as a massive OS upgrade. Um, then maybe to you, it should be worth 60 bucks. And I think that's going to be one of Apple's answers, you know, buy Snow Leopard for 30 bucks and then you can go ahead and buy Lion for another 30 bucks. And now you've got a 60 buck OS upgrade to get to Lion. And we're giving essentially a $30 discount to folks who already were running Snow Leopard. That's a way to look at it. And I think that's one of Apple's perspectives on it. You can get, you know, you get your Mac running Snow Leopard if you want to be able to run the Mac App Store, which is the only way you can install Lion. Option two, of course, is get a new Mac, which is maybe a more dramatic solution. You know, I will say I, I was speaking with uh, Dan Frakes, a senior editor at Macworld, and he believes that um, it will be technically possible to install Lion on a Mac without using the Mac App Store. That once you download it from the Mac App Store, there will be a way to, to get at the actual installer itself and then run it on earlier Macs that don't have access to the Mac App Store. Whether that's going to be a legal way or compliant with the, um, the terms of service or an Apple-supported way is not yet clear, but it looks like it would at least be technically possible to make that happen. Well, the key is, does the installer require Snow Leopard? Right. And I, and I, you know, all, right now, the only thing anybody can test with is the, um, is the developer preview, which is also locked under NDA. And I, even if I were at liberty to discuss how the, the developer preview of Lion worked, which technically I'm not, uh, there's no, there's no way that anybody can say that that's exactly how the commercial retail version is going to work anyway, because they could make the developer preview work one way so that it's easier for folks to test with and then make the final release uh, more locked down to Snow Leopard. Now, the other thing, of course, is the fact that you have to download a copy. And we understand, you know, in this country, and I said earlier in the show, about a third of the population in the USA doesn't have broadband. I did look up between the earlier part of the show and now. I looked up the actual statistics. It's about a quarter of the population. A little bit less than a quarter of the population doesn't have broadband. For one reason or another, maybe they don't have access. Maybe... They do have access, and they don't want to bother. But now we have a four-gigabyte file. And if you have dial-up, it takes a couple of weeks, or you can't do it. Now, what do you do? Now, Apple says, yeah, you can come to the Apple Store and download your copy of Lion on your Mac. Okay, that's fine. 
So you log in your Mac to the App Store. What if you live in a part of the country there is no App Store? You're in the middle of Montana somewhere. And you've got to drive 100 miles to the biggest city. What do you do? It's, I mean, it's, I think it's going to be a challenge. I get the expectation now. I, it's my understanding from Apple. They are simply not going to put Lion on any kind of media. They're not going to put it on a, a CD or a DVD that you can order, even for special cases like the ones you're describing. And I, I agree with you that that's a, a somewhat shocking move to, for Apple to be making here. Uh, and I think you're, you're really going to be in dire straits if you're in one of those areas and you can't get to a place that's going to afford you better more robust internet access for at least the time it takes to download that. Now, this is a, a different cost investment for Apple too, right? I mean, I'm wondering in part, you know, can Apple sell Lion for less because it's not making retail boxes and burning millions of discs? And what does it Apple? mean, a few dollars? I don't know. I, well, I, I have to imagine that the the bandwidth cost is not identical. It's not not an insubstantial bandwidth cost, but I I would imagine that it's still less than you know the the whole retail ecosystem of the boxes and the packaging and the discs themselves and the shipping the, by truck of all that you know they can cut out a lot of the the incidental costs by de- delivering via the app store. But uh, the folks who don't have good internet access are really like you're saying they're they're going to be in a tough spot. We're not in a tough spot because we have the man with the answers, Lex Friedman from MacWorld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Devon Think is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devon Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11, that's TNO11, for 15% off all there at devontechnologies.com. That's devontechnologies.com. Has the whole world gone mad? What's going on? How can they do that? Can Christians have demons? Why are politicians so detached? Need answers to these questions? This is Scott Henser for HardcoreChristianity.com, the nastiest Christian radio show and website in the country. When it comes to the biblical truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God, about what's really going on in America and the rest of the world. Come join us each day as Michael W. Smith of the House of Healing in Phoenix reveals what the churches in America fail to tell you about the true spirit realm concerning demonic activity, mental illness, and even the basis of hardcore evil that is sweeping mankind. Visit HardcoreChristianity.com. Remember, you cannot negotiate with evil. You have to eradicate it. It's not too late. Live in or visiting the Phoenix area? Come join us twice a week for our healing and deliverance services or attend our free monthly seminars. Check website for service hours and schedules. HardcoreChristianity.com Never buy home canning jar lids again. 
No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars, are indefinitely reusable, and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793. 877-747-2793. Call 877-747-2793. Or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma. MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We're back with Lex Friedman on the final segment of the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. Let's look into this further. Okay, so it's $29.99, and I don't know how we assume what Apple pays for the distribution, sending out millions of copies in a tiny box, making a DVD. What if Apple sold a special combo version of the Lion Update, which means it works with Leopard and Snow Leopard on a physical DVD for $39.99? I'm sure... $10 would be sufficient to cover that extra cost of production. Remember, they're using tiny boxes. It's just going to be the DVD and maybe a 16-page manual in very tiny type, so you yep. need a big pair of glasses to see it. <laughs> no, I, Listen, Gene, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that it would absolutely make sense for Apple to have such a program. And the company has very explicitly, you know, I've spoken to a couple Apple PR reps several times about this, and they have maintained over and over again uh, there are no plans for such an offering. Um, they're saying even to their business customers and their education customers who might have, you know, dozens or hundreds or thousands of Macs to install the you know, the, the, uh, the new OS upon, they're saying, we're not going to send you media. You're going to get it from the, the App Store, and we're going to give you special tools that make it easier to install on all your other network Macs, but we're not going to be sending out, we're not going to be putting this OS on any kind of media like a DVD. Now, well, the way it actually works, though, is say you have a bunch of Macs in your home system. You download one copy, and you have an installer. 
you take that installer and you copy it to the other machines to do the installation of line. You're not downloading it ten times. Exactly right. And there, you know, there and are also, I guess in theory, because there are ways already doing it with a developer preview, you could take that file and convert it to a DVD copy. Exactly. There are, there are ways that people have found with the developer preview that they've published on the web that you could burn a, a bootable copy of the, uh, the Lion installer to put on a desk. Um, now, whether folks whether Apple's going to continue to allow that to work, I don't know. There are rumors, though, that you know Apple just updated the uh, the time capsule, and there's a, a slightly updated model of the Airport Extreme out there. There are rumors that the uh, one of the things that those updated extremes and time capsules will be able to do is cache updates. If I go to the Mac App Store and I say I want to download a four gigabyte copy of line and then i go to another mac and i've been too lazy to manually copy over that four gigabyte file on my network and i hit the download button again that the time capsule or the extreme could theoretically have cached that update for me from the mac app store and thus i'm downloading it from myself and not using apple's bandwidth a second time to do it that's Uh, an interesting question here i'm looking at the documentation online about the new airport extreme the new time capsule of course a new time capsule for roughly the same price as the older version, you get a bigger hard drive, and supposedly it's faster. There's a guest access feature. That wasn't there before, was it? Uh, I don't believe so, that there was a guest access on the time capsule. The Extreme has had guest access for a while, where you can basically set up a Wi-Fi network that's only uh, for Internet use and doesn't put them on your home local network. Let me tell you a local situation here, okay? I have a time capsule, first generation. It was replaced by Apple as a warranty replacement. They did a recall because some of them had suffered failures, okay? So I moved to a new apartment, and the problem here is that the way the apartment is built, reception is so bad in the master bedroom that I can't get a usable signal anymore. And I try different channels. doesn't work. I went and bought a Cisco E4200, which is their high-end router that cost about the same as an Airport Extreme, $179. It okay. works perfectly. And they have more advanced technology for the 802.11n reception and transmission. So I was thinking here, would Apple be doing the same thing with a new airport extreme or time capsule? Why release new models if you're not going to do something that changes them or makes them better? Well, you know, we haven't cracked them open in Macworld's lab yet, but uh, I did have... Uh, sources who chose to remain anonymous tell me that, um, especially with the extreme, which on the on the exterior seemingly only has a new model number, that they did update the internals. That it's you know it's, there's a new chip in there, uh, and MacWorld's testing one I think in the coming days. But um, I, I believe that uh, you know the only reason to really put out new hardware is to say yes, we're going to do something to make them faster. Now I'm guessing the 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 router that you're using now at home, Gene, is has got visible external antennas. Is that right? No. Oh, I guess wrong. But I mean, Apple's- if you look at the E forty two hundred, which is a Linksys Cisco product, it's a small, sleek design. It's black with kind of a center ribbon on the front. That's I see it now. a dark gray, silver, dark gray. Okay, very sleek looking, but it has a very complicated system of antennas. And understand, Cisco is a networking company. They know how to do these things, and they also have something called Cisco Connect, which is a app that's used for basic configuration. Apple could learn from this, by the way. I mean, yeah, for some things you have to go on their web interface, which is very arcane, very old-fashioned. But if you use Cisco Connect, it will select automatically a user-friendly, unique network name and a unique secure password for you. Gotcha. It's smart. Apple should do that. 
I, you're right, and I think Apple's moving in that direction. You know, if you if you get an iPhone four and you enable internet sharing, internet tethering on it with your carrier, um, you know, when you say yes, I want to start internet sharing, so it essentially turns your iPhone into a Wi-Fi and Bluetooth hotspot. It gives your uh, you know a, a friendly name. And it gives you a, a friendly password, you know, a friendly and secure password. You know, it's like two words connected by a number. Um, well, the ones that Cisco chooses, it's a random combination of numbers, alphanumerics, upper and lower case. It is right. basically the textbook version of a secure password. Right. And I mean, I, so I think Apple's getting there. Um, and it just hasn't been their priority. You know, they, they consider the airport, you know, they've got the airport admin utility and they consider that straightforward enough. And I certainly like, you, you know, you mentioned that website that you got to use sometimes. And the, all those web-based tools are a pain. And, and like you said, archaically are, are orchestrated. Um, but I, I think you're right. Apple has work to do there. And I'm interested to see if they will enable some kind of software update that it, uh, takes advantage of more new features that we don't yet know about in these airport extremes and time capsules, either once Lion's out there or once iOS 5 is officially released or something. Because it seems like there's something new there that uh, they might not be taking advantage of yet. I'm in touch with Apple Corporate PR, and I hope that we'll get a time capsule or an airport extreme to review here because I cited the problem I'm having. I said, look, I have your product. I was very honest about it. I have a time capsule. I can't use it where I live now, and this is the solution I had. I'd rather see what your solution is. Let me see. We'll let our listeners know exactly what happens with that. What else are you covering these days over at Macworld? We have only a couple of minutes left. Understood. You know, the, um, the other big thing I've been focused on is the unlocked iPhone. You know, Apple now sells an unlocked iPhone 4 in the United States for the first time, meaning that you, one could, in theory, buy an iPhone if they're willing to pony up without a contract. And, uh, you know, we, we got one working on T-Mobile's network. T-Mobile just reported earlier this week that they have more than a million iPhones on their network already. Now, most of those aren't the new unlocked iPhone that Apple just started selling in June, but rather jailbroken iPhones that people have bought with AT&T and then hacked to make work on T-Mobile's network. But now you can get it done with a lot less hacking. Uh, and that's, that's, I think, pretty substantial. You can also buy an unlocked iPhone and then use it on AT&T with a month-to-month -month contract instead of you know, signing up for a, a two-year contract if that's more your style. The fact that Apple chose to release an unlocked iPhone 4 now when we have every expectation that a new iPhone, an iPhone 5, an iPhone 4GS, an iPhone 2011 is going to show up um, sometime you know, before the end of this year is interesting. It tells me that Apple's getting more eager to have as many of these phones available as they can, where before I think Apple was taking their time. They were saying, we're, we're okay with this exclusivity for AT&T because it's going to mean that we can milk profits directly from AT&T in ways that we like. Then eventually, you know, they added Verizon this year. And I think now they're saying, we're getting ready to offer this on everybody. You know, if they can offer an unlocked iPhone, one that people can make work with minimal effort on T-Mobile's network, they can do the same with, uh, you know, they, they could start making that phone available for anybody's cell phone network. And um, since they have a CDMA version for Verizon, it doesn't take much to extend that to, of course, work with Sprint's network. Dan Hesse, the CEO of Sprint, will be delighted. Yes. Let me tell our listeners, we're delighted to tell you. You can write us news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. On Twitter, it's technightowl at Twitter. That's technightowl at Twitter. And then we have our other radio show, the Paracast, about UFOs, things that go bump in the night. And by the way, on July 3rd, the Paracast premieres on WVNJ in New York City and New Jersey. Aha, it lands then. 
That's Paracast.com, Paracast.com for that show. That's the big development. We've reached the Big Apple with one of our shows, and we hope to do that with the other show very shortly. This week on the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg, a special thanks to Lex Friedman. Happy to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.